0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Fantastic. The title of my message today is simply this. Beware of hearing masquerading as understanding. That was a good response. That's a great response. Beware of hearing masquerading as understanding. You see, hearing and understanding are two very different things. Hearing often disguises itself as understanding. It often pretends to be understanding. It says things like, no, no, I heard you. And it pretends uh, to understand. But hearing alone does not mean that we fully understand what we've just heard. They can feel like the same thing, but they are oh so different things. To illustrate my point this evening, I want to start with a little humorous story. And it's about a husband and wife that were seeking a divorce. On what grounds do you want a divorce? The judge asked the wife. All over, we have an acre and a half, she said. No, no, do you have a grudge? The judge replied, yes, sir, it fits two cars. (laughs) I need a reason for the divorce, the judge declared. Does he beat you up? Oh, 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 no, I'm up at six every day to do my exercises. He gets up much later. Please, please. Pleaded the exasperated judge, what is the reason that you want a divorce? Oh, she replied, we can't seem to communicate with each other. I know I'm not talking to you. But you see, when we confuse hearing with understanding, it always leads to confusion. We can hear, but if we don't fully understand, then it's always gonna lead to confusion. And sadly, this world is living in confusion, hearing, but not understanding. And this is true At every level, including our relationship with God. This is true of husband and wife relationships. It's true of parent to child relationships. It's true of best friend relationships. It's true of employer and employee relationships. And it's true of our relationship with God. And that's what I want to look at specifically tonight. Hearing and understanding the voice of God. In Matthew uh, 13, verse 14. It says, in them is filled the prof- uh, the pro- uh, fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Again, whatever Jesus spoke, there's always examples in scripture of what he was talking about. And here's one quick little example found in John chapter 12. Jesus says, Now my heart and soul is troubled. This is before He's about to go on the cross. He's wrestling with the call of God on His life. He says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it's for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. God definitely spoke, but the crowd that was there heard it and said, it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to Him. They heard the voice of God. Some of us say, if only I was able to hear the voice of God, then my life would be different. Well, I want to tell you, this group of people right here, right then at that moment, they heard the voice of God and they got their umbrellas out. They thought it was about to rain. God is speaking over His Son, Jesus Christ, and they're getting their umbrellas out, watching the weather. Don't think for a moment that if God spoke to you, you would actually understand it or grab it. More than likely, we would miss it. The Jewish people were waiting for a a God child. They were waiting for a Redeemer. They were waiting for the Messiah. They knew all about Him. And yet when He stood before Him, they did not recognise Him. It's not enough to just hear. We have to be a people that understand. There's a massive difference between hearing and understanding. Am I in the right place tonight? How many know what I'm on about? And if we don't get this right, we are going to continue to live in constant confusion. And so when it comes to hearing the voice of God, some quick questions that you need to ask yourself, I'm going to spend one minute on it, because that's not the crux of what I really want to talk about today. But four good questions, among many others, to ask yourself when hearing the voice of God is this. One, what does the Bible say? So if you have a thought, if you wake up with a dream... It could be God speaking. You could have very well heard the Word of God, but it must never contradict what the Word of God says. So a good question to ask yourself this is, what does the Bible say? Second, what do wise, godly people say? See, if you've got a genuine Word from God, you should be able to go to your pastor. You should be able to go to somebody who has a spiritual maturity and you should be able to present that Word to them. And if it's God, there should be some confirmation. If you are contradicting the Word of God and you're not asking the right people, I question whether or not it's the Word of God. Because if it is the Word of God, it can be tested. Yeah. These are just four good questions. Secondly, what does my experience say? You know, you might hear some things you don't like, but what's my, what's my experience say about the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of church leadership, the kindness of church leadership? What does our experience say? And the fourth one is this, what does the Spirit say? Yeah. Yeah, that, that gut feel, that, 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 that feeling you have in your gut. Now, if you go by just one of those things, you're probably going to get into trouble. But I, I think if God's speaking to us and we can tick off these four things as a starter, we may just be hearing the voice of God. But even then, hearing the voice of God, as important as that is, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have the understanding required to move on that word of god and so tonight is not so much about hearing the voice of god but responding well to what we hear yeah. and what i really feel as i've been preparing for this message and as we as a core leadership team have been meeting together every morning just to pray together these thoughts and conversations have been coming out this this kind of came out of a prophetic moment in one of our prayer meetings that's what you're getting tonight And what I strongly felt was that we often don't understand God's Word is because foundationally we haven't settled some things. And I I want us to look at the things in our life that we need to settle if we are truly to hear the voice of God and then respond accordingly based upon the understanding that comes with that. Does that make sense? Fantastic. And what I want to do this morning is read out of the book of Acts A verse that I read in one of my devotionals earlier this week. And it's found in Acts 21, verse 10. Now remember, the book of Acts was penned by a man by the name of Luke. And uh, he, he went around with Paul and started writing down all the great things that God was doing through Paul's life and all the great things he was doing through his life and other disciples' lives. And he just started writing it all down. And it was called the book of Acts for a reason, because they were in motion. There was action. There was things happening. They weren't just sitting in their pews doing nothing. They were actually in momentum and movement forward in the things of God. And uh, this is just one account of what took place that Luke happened to pen. And it's found in Acts 21, verse 10 to 13. It says, reading from the NIV, it says, After we had been there a number of days, a prophet by the name of Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said... The Holy Spirit says in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Am I, not, I am not only ready to be bound, but also die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus Christ. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, Let the Lord's will be done." The early church are in forward movement, they're doing great things and and out of the blue, this prophet comes. His name is Agabus. Everyone say Agabus. It's not a name I would recommend you giving your child today. But hey, if you're struggling for names and you find yourself pregnant and you know you're having a little boy, there's a option for you. All right. Agabus. And uh, he was a reputable gift to the body of Christ. He wasn't just anybody. This wasn't just some kook. This wasn't just some weirdo. This wasn't just some super spiritual flighty guy. This guy was reputable. He was the guy that we read of earlier in the book of Acts. And uh, he was the one who prophesied that there would be a severe, uh, severe famine in the land. So he was a reputable guy. He was a prophet. When he spoke, people knew that this wasn't just anybody. And he was very clear about what he said. In actual fact, to make it very clear, he um, dramatised it by, by taking off Paul's belt. And it said that he bound his own hands and he bound his feet. And being the drama queen that Agabus must have been, declared, the man who owns this belt will be tied by the Jewish people, if he dares enter Jerusalem. I mean, real drama queen stuff. And Paul's like, give me my belt back. <laughs> I imagine Paul, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I just have these Monty Python moments when I read the Scriptures. I just think about, you know, did Paul's his pants fall down? I mean, imagine that, that'd just be weird. You know, and the prophet took his belt and Paul's pants fell down. Hashtag awkward. I mean, it's just, it's just how I see things. So, so here's this, this prophet and he's saying, yeah, in true prophet style, you've got to be a little bit eccentric to be a New Testament prophet. And Agabus is no exception. Here's the amazing thing. Everyone there heard the same thing. And even more amazingly, no one doubted that it was the Word of God. They're all on the same page. There's a prophet, he's speaking and God is saying something through him. At this moment, they're all on the same page. Are you with me? They've all heard something. Yet, there were two different responses. The people there saw it as confirmation that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. God is speaking, Paul don't go. Paul hears it and says, awesome, let's go to Jerusalem. They all heard the same thing, but they understood differently. Beware of hearing masquerading as understanding, Let's not kid ourselves, just because we've heard something, we've understood what we heard. And so when it comes to hearing and understanding God's voice, we need to settle some things today. If we are truly going to have understanding to what we hear, we need to settle some things. I think some of the lack of understanding comes because we haven't quite settled some things. And I want to look at four things that we need to settle if we are are truly going to not just hear God, but understand what He's saying. And I hope it helps you. And even if there's an ouch moment in what I share today, I pray to God, it helps us. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would minister through me today. That the eyes of our hearts would indeed be opened. That You would open our ears to hear. Eyes to see, minds to comprehend, and hearts to receive Your Word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Four things, number one. The first thing that we need to settle today is this, that you're not always going to hear what you want to hear. When it comes to hearing and understanding the voice of God, you're not always going to hear what you want to hear. you got to settle that. You've got to settle it. It's amazing to me. I've prophesied in many different ways, in many different forums, over many different people. And I've never had anyone reject me when I speak a positive word. Ever? goes, oh, there's a man of God in the house. I perceive that there's a man of God. The moment you bring something that's just a little bit controversial, just a little bit of an edge. Like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And at that moment, we'll never get the understanding because we're not ready to receive because we only want to hear, if we're honest, what we want to hear. And we're never going to get the understanding that we need. This is not just for Christians. This is an eternal principle. If you're not prepared to hear what you need to hear as a parent, maybe you just have kids that end up off the rails because you weren't prepared to hear certain things about your parenting. You might just go around for the rest of your life saying, everyone picks on me. I get that a lot. It's really weird. But we've got to settle it tonight. You're not always going to hear what you want to hear. Right. Very good. This man of God, this eccentric prophetic drama queen of a man called Agabus comes up and says, the owner of this belt will be tied by the authorities in Jerusalem. He didn't say, The owner of this belt, God has plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans for hope in a future. He said, the owner of this belt is going to be arrested by the authorities and handed over to the godless Gentiles. See, I don't think that we don't hear God. So much as we don't like what we're hearing. I think that's what's really going on. We hear God, but we just don't like what we're hearing. And so we act in ignorance. And so I I I don't know. I think we know a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. But we just don't like what we're hearing. See, we have to be open to the fact that serving God from time to time will involve pain. It just will. I mean, that would be fair to say. As a parent, it involves pain, wouldn't it? Would it not be fair to say the moment you say yes to parenting, it involves physical pain, emotional pain, relational. Every area of your life is going to experience some pain. Yeah. Well, so it is in our relationship with God. We're going to experience physical pain. Paul experienced being whipped and beaten with rods. People picked up stones and threw them at him. He experienced physical pain in serving God. Emotional pain. He was abused. He was accused. He was misunderstood. He was falsely lied about. We experience spiritual pain. We get attention from the demonic realm when we say yes to Jesus. We experience financial pain. After this service, we're going to take up an offering. Monies that other people are not going to be asked to give, but we give, that there's a pain financially. There's a pain emotionally. There's a pain spiritually. There's a pain relationally. There's a pain at every level when we say yes to God. We're going to be open to that. But just like there's pain in parenting, there's also great joys in parenting. And there's great joys in serving God. But it's not always rainbows and butterflies. It's not always the highs. It's not always happy moments. There are highs and lows. That's life. And we've got to settle that. I think we are hearing God more often, than we, uh, more often than we give ourselves credit for, but often we just don't like what He's saying. And sometimes that comes through your pastor speaking to you or a close friend speaking to you, but we just don't like it, so we reject it. And we don't even open ourselves up to the possibility that it could be God speaking because we've said, oh, I don't like it, so it can't be God. Do we really want to hear God? Do we really? So you can go to your prophetic seminars and conferences and learn how to do this, but you'll never hear and you'll never gain the understanding unless you're prepared to understand that it involves pain. And you're not always going to hear what you want to hear. That's why Jesus said, you people, you read the Scriptures, you know everything about everything, but you're ever hearing, but you never perceive because you never put yourself in the position to understand because you always think you're right and you don't embrace the pain required in hearing and serving me. If we're not open to the fact that some things we hear, we won't like, we're never going to truly hear God. And we're going to spend the rest of our life on the run, like Job. Uh, sorry, Jonah. He heard God. He didn't like it. He said, I'm not going to that city to talk to them about you. I'm not going to do it. And so he goes in the exact opposite direction and just runs away from God. P.S. You can't run away from God. Hashtag it's impossible. I mean, you just can't run away. And you can go from church to church to church, from conference to conference to conference, reading different translations of the Bible, reading different books, having different authors. And God's still going to be saying the same thing. Do we want to hear God? will want to understand? Then we've got to settle it tonight. We're not always going to hear what we want to hear. Number two, we have to silence the ones who love us more than they love our destiny. You are very quiet, but I did kind of expect it. You see, what's going on here is Paul's friends, when they heard this message, the Scriptures tell us that they pleaded with Him not to go. I mean, it wasn't just a, hey, Paul, I, w- I wouldn't if I was you. They're like, please don't go. Please don't go. The man of God has spoken. Aren't you listening? Don't you understand, Paul? Don't go. You heard what's going to happen. Don't go. God is intervening. God is interjecting. He's stopping you. He's saving you. He's making your life safe and comfortable because that's what He wants for us, Remember? He wouldn't ask that of you. God, God would not ask that of you. He can't, no. These are the ones that loved Him. These were no doubt His family, His friends, some of His closest companions. They loved Him. These were good people. These weren't the opposition. They weren't the enemy. They were good people. And they loved Paul. But here's the word I got from God. Some of you are being loved to death. Your destiny is dying with the love of those that are closest to you. It's dying. You've heard of death by chocolate? In church, it's death by comfort. And how does Paul respond? He either dies in the comfort. He either dies in all this love, this sea of love, or he finds something from somewhere to step up and he says, This is, hey, whoa, stop! Why are you breaking my heart? It's hard enough already without you guys going on. This is not normal. Why are you breaking my heart? He had to silence the voices of those who genuinely loved Him because they didn't have the understanding. They heard, but they didn't understand. They didn't perceive. They didn't get it. They allowed their feelings and their emotions to get in the way. How many of us, honestly, are silencing the voice of God with our own interpretation? Because we have an understanding that God would never ask that of us. Come on. Yeah. And then we get around our friends who love us, and we get the majority of people on our sides. See, our responsibility as Lord and Masters of our destiny is to silence what they say. There's like 50 shades of they. They, there's so many shades of grey when it comes to what they say. And we have to silence them. Say, oh, you don't have to go to church every week. That's what they say. That's what so many people say. And, and, and you go twice on Sunday. Do you know what they say about that? You don't have to do that. That's crazy. That's fanatical. Twice on Sunday. You don't have to do that. You have to silence what they say saying, they never put a name to themselves. It's not just me, you know, there's others. Who are they? Give me the names of your two other friends, please. Come on, I want to know who they are. What you need to know about they is, a very big they is three people. That's a massive they. But they say they because in your mind, it feels like there are thousands, but it's just two or three of their friends. And if they silence them, You have to silence the day. You don't have to give money. You have to silence the day. That's our responsibility if we're going to walk in our destiny. Can I say, when it comes to choosing your friends, choose friends of your destiny? Not just friends that you like, friends that see something in you and will draw it out of you and take you somewhere. See, friendship is great. But if we just camp at friendship, we've missed the mark of what Jesus is calling us to. The great command was to go into all the world and make disciples, not friends. You might say, well, hang on, doesn't the Bible say that Jesus became a friend to sinners? Yes, He did. That's the starting place. Friendship is always a starting place. It's always a starting place. And I love this church. I do. I love this church. And uh, for many, many years now, we have this reputation of being one of the friendliest church. I mean, people come every time they come for the first time. It's like, man, this is a friendliest church. And I used to wear that as a badge of honor. I used to love hearing the fact that we are a really friendly church because it was true. But that was in that season. We're in a different season now. Whenever I hear that we're a friendly church, it, 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 it annoys me. Because I know this to be true, we've settled, we've camped at friendship. And we were never called to friendship alone. We were called to take our friendships and turn them into discipleship. And some of you know the pain that's involved in that and the misunderstanding and the abuse that comes with that and the lies and the rumors. So we said, I'm not doing that. And I really feel strongly, as your pastor, along with a team of pastors, we feel That as a church, we, and I put myself in it, I'm not saying you, I'm saying we, have camped at friendship. We we are saying no to the Great Commission and we're saying yes to our comfort. Is it going to be Great Commission or Great Comfort? We've got to make a choice. We've got to make a choice. And, And as a leadership team, we're saying we're going for discipleship. We can't camp. We're, 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 we're pulling up the tents. We're pulling up stakes. And we're going on discipleship. Number three. We only ever see in part. We only ever see in part. Paul said, I, Guys, what you don't get is I, I, I'm ready to be bound. They were saying, You're going to be bound. He said, I'm ready to be bound. After that, I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? I'm even ready to die if necessary. Whatever comes after that, I'll take it. But this is what I know. There's a whole heap I don't know, but what I know I'm going to act on and the rest is in God's hands. See, some of us want full understanding and full revelation, but the Bible says that we only see but in a mirror dimly. You know when you get out of the shower in the morning and you haven't put the exhaust fan on and, and there's this, the mist And and you know you're in the room because you can see a shadow of yourself in the mirror, but you don't know how you look. That's how we see. We know just enough to act upon. God doesn't show us everything because if we showed us everything, we'd freak out. So He shows us just enough. And some of us have camped uh, at the place of, unless God shows me more, unless He tells me everything, I'm not moving. But God will never tell us everything. He'll never give us everything we need to know. He'll just give us enough and expects us to respond to that. So when it comes to getting understanding, understand this. We'll never fully understand. And we have to respond to what we do understand. And when I feel God calling me to do something and I don't know the outcome, I have to draw off what I do know. And I say, this I know, God's a good God. God hasn't let me down in the past. God has never leaving me, or left me. He's never forsaken me. He's always been there for me. I've never been found wanting. There's been tight moments, but I've always come through. And so based upon what I know, I say yes. We will never get the full understanding that we desire. And so you've got to respond. And that's where faith comes in. Remember Abraham, the father of our faith, Old Testament biblical hero? He heard from God, go. Two thirds of God's name is go. And God spoke. Go, And he said, okay, God spoke. We're going. Where are we going, Lord? Silent. Nothing. Nada. Zip. Nil. And so he's got to go to his family now. Talk about misunderstood. Guys, we're going. Where? Don't know, but just pack a gear up. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. But we've read it so many times, we, we, we forget the significance. He just left. And He's the Father of our faith. Yeah. Yeah. And so He just picks up stuff and just starts walking. And then God gives Him the next step. Yeah. And the next step. Yeah. And the next step. He's not going to give it all before we do anything. We've got to work with Him. This is where trust and faith come in. Someone once said that life must be lived forward, but it's understood backwards. Have you noticed that? I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what God's doing. That's what He was doing. We want that there and it won't ever happen. Understanding comes as we look back. And when we look back, we used to sing a song, all we'll see is His goodness. That's what we see. We We keep going. but Gee, God's been good. God's been good. I don't know what I'm doing, Lord. I'm a little bit scared, but I trust myself with You. I don't know how this is quite going to work out. Gee, you've been good. Wow. And based upon that goodness, I'm going to take a step more confidently and more boldly. This is the walk of faith. This is how we get understanding. This is how we move forward. God is doing more behind our backs than He's doing in front of our face. He does. He's just a master at arranging things behind the scenes. Yeah. And we're like, what's going on? What's going on? You know what? God's going on. Yeah. Come on. What's happening? You're happening. You're growing. Yeah. Yeah. You're changing. You're developing. And as the band come up, my fourth point is simply this. We have to settle tonight that he's Lord of all or not Lord at all. It says that when Paul wouldn't be dissuaded, they came to the conclusion and said, let the Lord's will be done then. Which is exactly what's meant to happen. It wasn't meant to be about Peter's will. It wasn't meant to be about Paul's will. It wasn't meant to be about John's will. It was never meant to be about anybody else's will, including yours or mine. It was always meant to be about God's will Being done. And here I can I can just imagine, oh well then, let God's will be done. But that's what's meant to happen, church. That's what's meant to happen. God's meant to have his way in our lives. See, I kind of feel That we've made our preference, Lord, what we like, Lord, instead of what God wants, Lord. You know, in our morning services, we have two different services, and they're quite different. One's what we call our chapel service at 8.30. The other one's our 10 a.m. service. One's a lot bigger than the other. One's a lot louder than the other. But you know what I've found And I've found this right throughout my Christian life. I just really enjoy both. I get the privilege of enjoying the smallness, the intimacy and the quietness and the different age demographic of our chapel service. And then I leave that place and I come in here and it's it's louder and it's younger and it's bigger and, and I get to enjoy that. See, the moment we make it about us and we make our preferences, Lord, we miss out on so much. And God doesn't want us to miss out on those things. And so we've made theologies around whether drums are good or bad, whether loud music is good or bad, whether big is better than small or small is better than big. And it's all irrelevant. It's about the Lord's will being done. And we, we, we say, oh, the presence of God in the chapel service. That would be true. There's a presence of God but no more or no less than in here. See, when we use language like that, we're actually just talking about our preference, not the genuine, tangible, manifest presence, just our genuine, tangible, manifest preference. And we have to surrender to His presence over our preference. You ask me, what would I prefer? I'll tell you, 80s music. What would I prefer? Soccer over football. What would I prefer? Manchester United over Liverpool. What would I prefer? Crows over that other team. (laughs) But as we're laughing and joking, we realize one thing it's got nothing to do with the kingdom. Can you see what I'm saying? That's just my preference. And you prefer certain things over other things. It's got nothing to do with the kingdom. And this group of people said, oh, well then, let the Lord's will be done. It was never about what they wanted. That's what they needed to see. It wasn't about their preference. We prefer Paul to stay. You know what? If I was walking in their shoes, I probably would have been that guy saying, Paul, please stay. Because that would be my preference. I mean, you've got the great Paul, the apostle. Why wouldn't you want him? Why would you want him to leave? That would be my preference. If you said to me, what would you prefer, Tony? What's your preference, pain or comfort? (laughs) Comfort. What would you prefer, Tony, being misunderstood or understood? Understood every time, that's what I prefer. And yet I find myself being misunderstood more often than not. Why? Because I'm sharing some of God's Word. Knowing that if this isn't received well, I'm going to be misunderstood. But you know what? It's not about my preference. I share it anyway. And guess what? You get misunderstood. But you know what? In those moments where I'm feeling misunderstood and I want to give up and I want to give in, I say, you know what? It's not my will, but yours be done. This is not a popularity contest. This is not about, let's go into heaven with as many friends as we can. This is about us. Putting Jesus on center stage. This whole season for us is about clearing the stage, clearing the clutter, getting rid of everything, and putting Jesus at center stage. That's what this season is in. And I think some of us are just starting to catch that. I, I hope you are. And if we're going to clear the stage, clear the clutter, get back to basics and put Jesus at center stage. In reality, that includes getting rid of our preferential treatment. Letting go of our preferences, letting go of our likes and dislikes. That's the season we're in. When they realized Paul could not be dissuaded, They said, let the Lord's will be done. Will you stand with me tonight? Let me ask you the question I asked you at the beginning of my time with you. Who here wants to hear the voice of God? Who here, having desired to hear the voice of God, can honestly say, I want to understand better? Let me see your hands. Is that you? Am I talking to the right people? Hands down? No? Cool. That's good. Many went up. Then if we're saying yes to both those things, we have to say yes to settling these four things. Because honestly, if we don't, we won't. And then we'll play a religious game for the rest of our lives. And that's going to hurt you, those closest to you. It's going to hurt this community in which God's placed us. Because this community deserve better than that. They don't deserve religion. They deserve Jesus. They deserve the one who washed the disciples' feet. That's who they deserve. They deserve the one who cleaned, cleared the temples with a whip. They deserve the one who silenced the accusers when that woman was brought before him, caught in the act of adultery. That's what this community deserves. They don't deserve pious religion. They don't deserve our preferential thoughts and ideologies. They deserve Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.